0: Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of In the Landscape. So grateful to all our listeners out there for supporting us week to week. And mm-hmm. for anyone who's found us, we hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: That's right. Welcome.
0: And if you do, feel free to go back and listen to our back catalog, because we often um, circle around similar topics. And so if we didn't cover something in its entirety, which how could you ever, in one episode, we often come back to an idea, try to give more information. A lot of the topics in landscape design sort of inter interconnect. Right.
1: You know? <laughs> and they're principles, so they support each other,
0: they overlap. And it's also an ecosystem, so that the plants, the organisms, and the materials that you're dealing with, we've had a few episodes on materials lately, it's all sort of working together, and then we inhabit the space.
1: Right, and that, I forget what it was we were watching, it might have been a, another Monty Don episode, <laughs> I mean, it was Monty we Don. We take a
0: lot of comfort in these stressful times, they mm-hmm. are stressful, uh, we take a lot of comfort in old Monty Don episodes.
1: Yeah, he was <laughs> describing... I forget exactly, but it was a historic uh, English garden, a very large one. And he was explaining it was a stage set, more or less, which many gardens are, if you think of it that way. So without people, it's incomplete. Yeah. So people are almost the, you know, if in a wild landscape, people are, it's, fairly, it's like we're visitors in a mm-hmm. wild landscape. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more or less complete without us. Yes. <laughs> but a design landscape is somewhat incomplete. Yeah. You think of my favorite Luxembourg gardens in Paris. There's that low pool where children can rent sailboats. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is so animated. There's people in lounge chairs, there's potted citrus. It's very animated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I know there are whole podcasts that are dedicated to being fans of a show, which this is not, <laughs> but, um, but we certainly do. We're great fans of landscape writing and and photography and shows and and mm-hmm. so we we try to take it in as much as we hope to be contributing in a small way to that community of thinking and speaking and communicating about the landscapes that we love so much. So, right. So today's episode is is a bit of a continuation. Uh, we did do an episode on screening before, and w- there's more to add. You've actually been a lot of the projects that you're working on now are screening related. And essentially, it's a topic that's become a little bit more urgent for those who have a little bit of land to kind of call their own in their backyards or front yards that we're going to be spending quite a bit of time there in the right. summer, <laughs> in some ways with our families in a more intensive way than we have ever before in mm-hmm. some cases. So the sleepaway camp, unfortunately, for those for whom that's sort of like a rite of summer, may or may not be able to meet in the way that it, it would normally and so, you know, that's being replaced with the tent in the backyard. Right. A <laughs> sleepaway <laughs> camp in your own backyard, which we might try if we have a nice warm evening. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It gets a little bit humid and buggy here. So that may not fly. But we did put the tent up once and it, it just feels good. It's like this other... It's amazing how you can create... You can create a program in your space. Mm-hmm. So we've talked before about our backyard, which was this big, empty rectangle, no shade to speak of. We had a, we have a covered porch, so to speak. So you could get out there. I think we'd get out with camping chairs when we moved in and mm-hmm. sit and look mm-hmm. at the rectangle. But the more you sort of play around with the space, the more animated it becomes.
1: Right. there's certain different gathering areas, a dining area, a lounging area in the sun, in the shade, and for an area to see the sunset.
0: And the comfort we've talked about in our outdoor rooms episode is so key. So we had a shade structure that was, it was there to help provide a space for us to gather in the backyard. We live near a couple of my family members, my mom and my sister. And so we have made a practice as a family of meeting in the backyard where we can still socially distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to protect certain members of our family make sure everybody's safe. So we are taking those recommendations seriously even within our families even though just because we're not sure where our exposures may come come from so we'd set it up so that it was you know next to the porch but then that kind of obscured the view of the tree the shade tree that you had planted
1: oh right yeah, it's interesting to experience it like with these movable objects you can experience when something doesn't work mm. so when one program which was more shade the shade structure that conflicts with. The view that, and the view from inside this shade tree is quite pretty. That it offers depth, so even when you enter the front door, and you can see all the way through the first floor almost, you can still see the tree, and it makes the backyard seem bigger. It gets animated with birds, light on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the birds are quite quite animated lately. There's a couple of mockingbirds potentially vying for territory, and a couple of cardinals that are making a, a big use of the backyard. So. We ended up moving that shade structure over and kind of repurposing it. And you were saying now there are spaces that are in co- almost like conversation with each other.
1: Oh, right. And that when you have, well, I mean, maybe just very simple. Like with food, you think of bread and butter. I mean, on their own, why not going to sit down and like eat butter. <laughs> and I, it, nope. <laughs> and and not in um, that space. by yet. itself could be delicious, but bread and butter create, they're more than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. And that. So in design, there's that term that things are, they speak to each other they relate to each other. And so when something's positioned, the sage structure now is like nested and amongst trees and shrubs and it faces outward. It feels like it's placed with intent and it feels confident. So with good design, it should feel very intentional. Not like, well, wasn't quite sure what you were doing there. Mm. The butter sort of missed the bread. <laughs> you do have to be Together, it looks very intentional.
0: Yeah, and and interestingly enough, even though we're sort of adding things to the yard, it makes it feel bigger. I think this is true for staging a home when you're getting ready to move. Mm. That it's actually with the absence of any furniture, it doesn't actually feel as big as maybe it is. And Uh it's once you have something in there to help, like either draw your attention out to the far fence because now there's a shade structure and a conversation area there, or there's a scale that's. Kind of created in in the area, so that's a little bit about <laughs> the outdoor room, which was not what today's topic was primarily about. But this idea that we are spending more time in our in our yards, if we have them, it's still certainly screening maybe an issue for people, even if they're living in with small balconies or or in an apartment. There are ways to kind of screen elements. I remember I had this unsightly radiator in my apartment in Manhattan, mm-hmm. that, like. You couldn't quite get too many plants too close to it because, especially in the winter, it would fry them. But it was, you know, there were ways to try to get around that. So today we're going to talk more about screening. We're going to make sure we've covered the design principles that really support good screening and then the planting considerations and just go a little bit further into depth than we may have in a previous episode.
1: Right. Because they are, it's outdoor architecture, which has pretty distinct needs though. And so if those needs of sun and shade and moisture and air circulation are not met, then it's not going to fulfill your program goals. It's not going to provide screening. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it's really important from the beginning to, to be very rigorous of, no, this is actually shady. This plant is not, for the long term, it's not going to provide the screening you want. Now, it might be inexpensive, readily available. There might be big pluses, but. If it's not going to fulfill the goal, then it almost doesn't matter. Even if it's free, you know, even if that sometimes people will, family members will will donate plants or it happens all the time. Neighbors, If it's not the right plant though. It's like a waste of time and effort because it's going to take time and
0: effort. Well, mm-hmm. let's start with one of the first areas that I think I certainly think of. Uh, I wonder if others do too, that the thought of screening to me means it's got to be this dense foliage and then you get into kind of like a weird dark hedge that's maybe on the border of the property that's sort of a monolith back there so w- how would you address that this idea that it's got to be like thick and dark and imposing right. and <laughs> substantial in order to achieve the screaming effect
1: yeah that's a really good question it goes back to what's the goal and so to be very to be very nuanced if you're at your kitchen window and you're looking out, I'm thinking of a house in New England that I visited. So you're at a kitchen window, you're looking out, you're elevated. I mean, some houses in the Northeast, they're really, the first floor is really like the one and a half stories tall because you walk up, let's say, five, six steps. So you might see over your neighbor's fence. So having a beautiful ornamental tree that attracts birds, that might be plenty. It doesn't, the screening... It, that complete enclosure—if that's the only solution—remember a fellow uh, landscape architect I used to work with. He would said, "If it's that bad, you should move." You know, <laughs> like <laughs> that, that. There's definitely a limit. So that complete enclosure with dark evergreens is going to have a negative side effect. You achieve this screening, but then you create this dark, unwelcoming area. And the other plants might suffer. Maybe there's not. Maybe the grass is not going to be as full, or the other plants. Or it's not going to be appealing to sit out there because it's going to be cold and dark. So there's, well, I guess with any in a philosophical way, there's always cause and effect. So you might get the effect you want, but then it produces other negative effects. So, it's, it takes, so sometimes you can pull back. We really don't need it to be that dense and that dark because it's going to have these negative side effects.
0: So what are some other principles we should think of as we're approaching the thought of screening? And and I as I recall in the previous episode, which I admit I didn't go back and listen to per se, but as we're starting, as I'm trying to think where the overlaps are, you know, we talked about a lot about, you know, the view from the house, like making sure you do the study of kind of like what is it you're trying to obscure. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But what are some principles within the planting itself that we should be thinking about?
1: Well, the plants. It's the selection of the plant for the sun and the shade. So, is it, is the plant suited? Is it going to be happy growing there?
0: And um, that could be shade produced by the other plants in the mix, right? Right. As you're starting to think of under, maybe an understory, like that they're the different levels. And again, it's not just a single, maybe a single level of plant that is going to screen something out.
1: Right. I mean, ecologically, a monoculture where it's just one plant. It exists in nature, but it's its often very diverse. So that's beneficial ecologically. Artistically and design-wise, the diversity is also beneficial. If the hedge is thin, but then there's a, sh- a shade tree, that, that's beautiful, or that's flowering, or there's a lower story that are evergreen shrubs, and that's the diversity. It's like diversifying Your risk in a way. If one plant is a little thin, a certain time of the year, there's something else that's holding up. So, at the end of the episode, we'll talk about the design principle in more detail. But the one, the the principle of closure. So that would be when you draw a dotted line, your eye sees a line. No, it's not a connected line, but you see a line. So that's that's an example of closure. So with screening, it can be the same, and that it's. It's elements, shrubs, ornamental trees, shade trees, which create this privacy screening. Your eye sees if they're planted with intent and the spacing, if they appear to be grouped together and not random elements floating out in space, then there is closure. So it's, and it doesn't need to be as dense as you would imagine. It's often, but the spacing is important so that they need to relate to each other. I mean, if you planted, let's say, rose bushes and, and then you started out with a, with a young shade tree. So that's going to be a problem. The roses need full sun, the shade tree in the short term, it's going to be tiny. It might be tiny, but eventually the roses are not going to have enough sun. So it's, it's projecting as it develops what the characteristics are are going to be when it develops.
0: Right. Which is a principle we talk about a lot, like get, get into the landscape, get out there and see what full-sized versions are of the plants. You might be considering, and as you talk about this design principle of closure and the thought that it doesn't have to be a complete row of very tall hedges in order to achieve the effect of screening, I'm thinking of one property we worked on in particular, and it was sort of the side yard that we were trying to create. Again, not a, like a complete closed off. I mean, if that's the case, just put in a fence, right? So, right. But in this case, and you can think, you can you can sort of think this through. But often, what we're concerned with is not not obscuring our neighbor's entire house. You know, it's like a lovely home next to ours, but we maybe want to shade, uh, screen the window. You know, so that we're not mm-hmm. looking into our neighbor's window. So you can pick or the air conditioning unit. So you pick the points that maybe you do need more kind of dense screening, and set those as the as the periodic kind of punctuations, and then the the rest of the screening could be. Either less full, or again, I mean, very tall trees cost money. Or, you, right. know, you don't want to have nothing but shade trees in a long row, so it doesn't have to be consistent to be very effective. Good point. I mean, I highlight the points that you really want to shade and um, screen.
1: You know, I remember my architecture history, landscape history. When you study the history of of civic buildings, public buildings, you think of like there's cities around the world. So listeners, probably everybody could relate the first two stories of a public building are made for people to see from the street or the sidewalk or a vehicle. So those tend to be, now with modernism, sometimes the whole building is a glass structure. But with classicism, it's really those first two stories, which are about 20 feet, 24 feet. And so with screening, it's quite similar. So a tree that's going to be some of the conifers, pines, spruces that will get to be, let's say, 80 feet tall. I mean, 80 feet that's great. If it's not working on those first two stories, if it's gonna, if that's ever gonna be a problem, which with like pines and spruces, they will. If they're in a row, they'll tend to thin out those first two stories the first one story for sure.
0: We actually see that a lot in these mature gardens where that was they were put in place, and I, I get, I suppose, worked for a time, and they have ceased to be useful in that spot. And you're actually being called in to kind of deal with replanting the understory because you don't necessarily want to then take those trees out they're still you know alive and healthy and serving an important function but they're not providing that screening anymore and then that shade study relationship comes really into focus because then it's like well what will exist kind of in and amongst these really well established trees so what do we need to think of in terms of like planting conditions for a grouping of plants that's that closely connected
1: you know let's see in our our pre-meeting my notes so the soil that there is soil that's reasonably has a reasonable amount of nutrients that there's moisture root competition so when there's mature plants there's a lot of competition it's going to be hard to get a shovel in so if, in that condition i just had a like a recent con- a phone a remote design consult mm-hmm. uh, yep
0: those
1: have been going well good so we're, where we're working you know, through online platforms, sharing the screen, showing the drawings, talking it through. So in an area where there is root competition, where it's shady and you don't have distance, so you're not able to, let's say there's a mature shade tree, but the property goes for 150 more feet, and then there's a neighbor, a road, you have 150 feet. So let's say 60 feet from that big shade tree, which may be the extent of most of its roots, then there could be a hedge a viburnum or, or another plant. If you didn't have that depth and you wanted it to be right under then a fence or a wall, I mean, a wall, there's going to need to be a footer. Mm-hmm. It's going to need to So, There are ways to do that where you can be mindful of mature trees. A fence is pretty low impact for a tree. There's going to be at eight foot intervals or so you're going to need to dig up a, a post and so a fence can be a good solution. When it's not reasonable to plant. And it can be a a combination of trees at intervals and a fence.
0: And trellising, I imagine, would be somewhat effective and establishing kind of screening in that way as well.
1: Yeah, good point. You know, a fence can be, that's what makes me think of there's lattice like fences, or so that would be where the openings would be maybe one or two inches. Then there's even a wider where it's like a window pane where the openings are six or eight or 10 inches. So a fence like that, a solid fence is going to produce shade. So it can be similar to a dense hedge. It can make a backyard dark. And the plants that are, if there's plants growing in conjunction with the fence, they might not have enough sun. But there are fences where it still delineates the space, even if it's very open, where you could stick your arm right through it. But it does give a sense of, of delineation, of where one area begins, where another. And then there could be plants, there could be oak leaf hydrangea in front of that large window pane, like where you had the depth.
0: In some ways, what screening boils down to, which what we really want to do is kind of talk about like different ways to achieve this effect. Because we did have again a screening episode. We've had had fencing episodes. But what we're really interested in getting at is this concept of like privacy in your mm-hmm. own space. So even with a fence, even with some plants in place. And no real, I mean, we do have second story windows that kind of look into our yard, but I don't get the sense that people are there doing anything most of the time. There's still occasionally when someone else is in their backyard talking, there is not a sense of privacy, which Mm. is, I mean, maybe that's just me being weird, but we, you know, we want this escape. I, I think that's why water is so fantastic. You know, if you're in a pool and you're floating You can't hear the outside world. And there's this sense that you're kind of alone in your own space. And maybe that's somewhat selfish. I mean, believe me, when I lived in Manhattan, I was like cheek by jowl with my neighbors. I really loved the density. But once you were inside your own apartment, there still was that sense of safety and privacy that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe human beings crave. It's, It's like
1: very enclosed. Yeah. Actually, you think of townhouses, apartments it's a hundred percent screening. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't see from one to the other.
0: That actually, although it may to folks who live in bigger areas or less dense areas, that may almost seem counterintuitive, but there's something very sort of personal and private about your life in your apartment or your townhouse, <laughs> You're like right. in my walls. I love it. It was always such a good, like a feeling of safety to get back. So what we're really sort of addressing is this sense of Privacy. so you brought mm-hmm. up this this concept of distance and we've talked about how like how dense the hedges can be and maybe just achieving the experience of blotting out something like your neighbor's windows because what we don't want is to have them looking at us right so what are some other ways to achieve the effect of privacy um, so that you're not feeling or noticing the people around you
1: well I can think of successful projects and historic precedents and gardens that I visited. So having, for instant effect, so imagine from the ground level up to six feet about. So that's where a shade tree is not going to have foliage there. But a fence can be 100% dense. Mm -hmm. So in a confined area, having Mm -hmm. a fence style that I use a lot and like a lot is it's more or less solid up to a certain height, five, six feet. And then the top is a lattice or a picket. And so that creates what they call a sociable, it's not 100% dense. And that so at five or six feet, you can see over the top, when you're outdoors and you're seated, you can't, it feels it's 100% screening. And then having ornamental or shade trees planted, there's what's called an aerial hedge where you plant trees such that they're fully, it's what usually starts at five or six feet, creates a hedge. So they're planted close enough. So having... More or less, plants and materials work in concert and create this seamless, this seamless screening. And that would be, in a that would be an area where the backyard is, let's say, 50 feet by 50 feet, or 50 feet by 100. Where and there's other houses in in reasonable proximity. Which, yeah. from my experience, there's a lot of the world, the developed world, where that's the case. Where outside of cities, so the trees are an important component. Because if you don't have the, that up to about twenty to thirty feet, you're going to be looking at your neighbors' houses, and a fence is not going to be able to achieve
0: that. Well, you mentioned the the fence that's like really close together, and that actually is an interesting component of this sense of like of screening and privacy, because I think of my our son who's like coming up on twenty months, and. You know, the fences we have, they just sort of warp a little with all the moisture around here. And so, anywhere there's like a crack or a knot hole, his little face is pressed. (laughs) Spying on the neighbor (laughs) as they're in the backyard doing their thing. He's just curious, obviously, but he's like, he cannot look away. It's so fascinating. And technically, you know, I mean, none of our neighbors are really doing that. But that, even that like catching sight of another person when you're, I don't know, in your bathing suit and just trying to get a little sun is, it's, I mean, for me, although I'm a bit of an introvert, it's it's this like little flash of discomfort, like, oh, can uh, they see me? You
1: know? Right. <laughs> it's a human
0: size. I don't know.
1: There's like a reason, yeah, people like privacy.
0: And so I think that's where the distance maybe comes in because if you don't want it closed off, you you like the more open feel. If you get a little bit of of hedging that pushes you away from the fence, then there's this feeling that you can't be right up against it with your nose pressed, Mm -hmm. you know, viewing your neighbors. There's kind of a a safety in that as well. And our shade structure is actually on the side where the fence is in slightly better shape because it's more recent. Mm -hmm. And then that happens to be the neighbor who's not in the yard quite as often. So that may play into it as well. Like, is there, you know, a place where there's getting a lot of use in the accompanying yards. And so you just want to create a little distance, a little space there just to kind of evaluate that, which which takes some living in your space to kind of figure that out.
1: I like to do a, a sound study just to spend time right. in the backyard. Where is it quieter? Where is it louder? You know, the type of fence. I've worked with clients. I have that fan deck from the paint company that shows all the different paint colors. So occasionally we'll coordinate the color of the fence with the home where. The home is being renovated and they say, oh boy, we can't find the right color. And then I suggest a fence. I said, oh, we could coordinate. So it could be the same color. The color of, I mean, if it's a plant, it's often green and there's different shades of green from dark to light. That will change the way the space feels if it's a dark hedge versus a light hedge. The color of the fence is important. And so it, it can become an amenity. So a lighter color, if it's sort of a dark, shady backyard, so a lighter color would be important.
0: Yeah, I guess thinking about that overhead space as well makes a difference in terms of a sense of privacy, screening, enclosure. You're talking about trees that reach up to a certain height, which again takes time. It takes an investment in the tree. So what are some suggestions for achieving an overhead uh, sense of enclosure, which again, I think lends itself to that sense of privacy?
1: Yeah, that overhead plane. So when you're outside, the sky is the overhead plane, which is very high. An ornamental tree, in my estimation, it's generally a plant that's to about 25 feet tall or so. So it could be magnolias, dogwoods, Japanese maples, hawthorns. Those would all be ornamental trees. So those, a single ornamental tree is not going to create that much of an overhead plane. But I've done designs where there was a water feature or a fire pit, and then there were four ornamental trees, like you'd see in a Persian-style garden, that are in sort of the quadrants. And that creates an outdoor room, mm-hmm. and they can be limbed up a little.
0: And that sounds, again, like that principle of closure that you were talking about, where it's like just the just the hinting at the outline of the shape gives us the sense of the shape. Oh,
1: right. That's an, an excellent point. So a larger scale, a shade tree, like the London plane tree, has been used throughout history. It creates dappled shade. So that's used. So a single shade tree could create a sense of an overhead plane in the right location at a patio or there could be a grouping of them so the as we get to know the clients i like having like like a phone conference i just did the word was was naturalistic or and casual and so that informed the design there's almost no areas where you could perceive screening now there's Mm -hmm. lots of screening but you can't perceive it because it's more casual lighter and so if that was the aesthetic a single shade tree at the patio that might be, say, this is a spot, we're going to go for an extra large shade tree. It's going to create that overhead plane. If they were, if it was a little more formal and organized, there might be a row of shade trees that would start out smaller and they could be pruned into a hedge.
0: There's also, of course, um, structures that you can create gazebos or... I love the, the trellis idea. Like I think if I were to if I were in charge and were to extend that patio again, not with the sort of, because again, the shade structure that we were using was a little more casual. It's sort of like the thing that you would bring to the pool if you wanted to put up some shade for yourself. But I could almost see the beams of a trellis kind of coming off the porch and creating like a little more, a planting kind of medium, I guess, like a place where you could add more plantings Mm -hmm. as opposed to the, the casual shade structure. Although you even mentioned maybe putting some potted plants out there and using the structure as a way to just enhance, like kind of draw the shade and the overhead safety out just a little more. And the plants really do create that effect of screening for sound. But if, if there is a sound problem, again, you might want to consider moving. No, that's (laughs) ridiculous. But what are some ideas behind making sure? Because we talked once before, and and like road noise, very persistent and hard to deal with if the road is not depressed. But if it's just conversational noise from your neighbors, is there anything you can do? And what should you be mindful of?
1: Yeah, the vegetation, it will soften the higher pitch sounds, which would be like a human voice or or a radio or music. So vegetation and it can soften that a little bit. I remember reading an article about sound, about offsetting sound, and they said if it's a fence or a hedge, if you were spraying water, could the water, could the garden hose reach through the fence or the hedge? And so that's more or less how sound is. If it's, the more solid it is, the more screening you have. So a water feature, so screening the sound and screening a visual, one thing that's consistent: if the water feature, if it's a, a fountain that's bubbling, if that's right next to you, it's one small water feature will, will create quite a bit of white noise, and so that might be all that's needed.
0: Uh, so it's almost like distracting you from the other noises that are out there,
1: right? So because it's, there's, there's like something a kind of
0: routine and you know predictable that's taking your immediate focus, right? So that is quite a good. Solution. And it would, I imagine,
1: it would do the same for the neighbors. So any conversation that we're producing would be overlaid. A historic precedent would be, I think it's called Freeway Park, which is in, I think it's in Seattle, where it's, I think it was the Olympics were visiting there, if I recall correctly. And there were two parts of the city that were divided by a new, it was a new highway to handle this increased traffic. And so it was a park that was created over the freeway. And it was, a sunken park. So when you were in this space, you descended, but you're still above the freeway. And I believe there was Lawrence Halperin was the landscape architect. And there were his typical waterfalls. He's modernistic. So when you're in that space, you couldn't see out. Lots of vegetation. And there was a tremendous amount of sound and and white noise from the water. So So on a civic scale, that white noise offers that feature.
0: And in Ornaments in the Landscape, you mentioned that concept of of using an ornament as a distraction. So again, if we're not creating a complete barrier to what we're seeing, maybe an idea is to put in something that you can be looking at instead that will draw your attention.
1: Right. Yeah, ornaments, they can create an axial relationship where from a patio straight to the back of the property, an axial relationship is just a straight line often. There's examples of that. Where again at some of the historic Japanese gardens, uh, Shuga Koen is an imperial villa outside of Kyoto. When you go there's three garden sections and you travel from one to the other and you're going through an, an agricultural area, either sides is agriculture. And there's a path with pine trees that have been dwarfed via pruning. So they're about eight feet tall. And they're at maybe they're at 10-foot intervals or so. So you can peek out and see the agriculture, but it's this axial relationship is so strong, it more or less pulls you through that space. And, and you not- need a
0: lot of depth in order to achieve that? Because if we're talking about a small square yard, is that really something you're going to achieve? Or would you use a different type of plant grouping or something to kind of pull your attention?
1: Yeah, in a smaller yard, you might not have plants doing that. Maybe you'd have paving. So there'd be, think of square pavers set on an angle, so it's like a diamond. So uh, something like that can be quite, can be quite striking. It's like, oh, what's this? And that, that axial relationship could be through a paving material that would pull you to the next spot.
0: All right. So we're getting close to the end of the episode. Was there something else you'd like to share with our listeners for this episode? We've, we've covered familiar ground, but hopefully thought about it in a slightly different way or added something to the conversation.
1: Well, we always advocate use of native plants Mm -hmm. and that those tend to be adapted to more extreme changing climates. They attract uh, birds and bees and other pollinators. And so I've used those quite effectively. Different viburnum, amelanchier, serviceberry, which is, some of these are quite light and open. You can see through them. But if there is some distance, if it's not, if you're not right on top of what you want to screen, those are very pretty, and it's it gives the effect of a lace curtain mm-hmm. that you can see through it. You know, maybe curtains are a good analogy. When you have a blackout curtain, it blocks the light out. But boy, it's if you're not sleeping, it's all it's too much. Mm-hmm. Where a lace curtain, it allow it allows in some light, but it gives some privacy. You have the three Ds: the distance, the density, the distraction. So the first, if you have distance, then you have more options and the plants don't need to be as close together. If it's very close, you generally need some density. And so that might be a fence. And it could be a fence in conjunction with other plants. When you don't have the horizontal space, when it's a confined area, the screening plants can take up a lot of horizontal space. Mm -hmm. So a shrub that gets six feet wide in our particular backyard, six or eight feet, that would eat up a lot of the backyard. Mm -hmm. So we planted some, some palms that will get taller and provide some overhead. And then uh, when it's a very difficult site where it's quite dense and there's still sound, that's where where the distraction. That could be ornaments, wind chimes, bird baths, a bubbler. And so usually, in a way, the more confined the space, the more design can be utilized.
0: Great. All right. And we already mentioned the design principle for this week, but it's a cool one. So do you want to go over that again? Uh, sure.
1: Okay, so to our design principle of the week, closure. It's more or less when you have a variety of elements that read as a whole. So a dotted line or a circle that's made up of dotted lines, you perceive it's a circle and you can whittle it down where it's, it might be only 50% of the circle is indicated, but you would still see a circle and you can play with that. Those are the, there's a tipping point that you no longer see a circle. And that's really pushing the design. Mm-hmm. So with the privacy screening, I would encourage to push it. That it's it's more pleasing. You still perceive the privacy in the screening, but it's not so obvious. And it, it tends to be more beautiful. So um, hard,
0: like, don't overdo it. Correct. Start, right. Maybe start with less and then see if you need
1: more. Right. And so depending on the horizontal space. And there are trees that are quite, that are fastidious. Like there's a sweet gum there's many plants that are very vertical and they might, it would get to be 20 feet tall and it's only six feet wide. Mm-hmm. So there are plants that can be used to have that type of screening and not take up a lot of horizontal space. And so if there's several plants you're using for screening, if they're at regular intervals, I mean, I see that often, it's going to draw your attention. So if you have hornbeams and hydrangeas and viburnum, and those three plants are repeated at the same interval, it creates a pattern. So instead of sort of just all blending together, you're going to see that rhythm. So that could be a good thing. It creates a rhythm. Maybe it's an area that's not very exciting. If you don't want to see a pattern and you want it just to be like a working privacy hedge, then having an irregular pattern is usually good. It's like this anonymous crowd of people, it's just a group of people. But if there were some extras in a movie, right? Like, like not too. <laughs> So plants that might be showstoppers like limelight hydrangea, that might not be the plant for screening, unless you wanted a layer that was, that was quite interesting. If you didn't, that's in with the privacy screening. It's a time to have restraint, and to say these are going to be working plants. We're going to have these sort of nondescript uh, viburnum and some shingle oaks are going to be overhead. It's going to be you know sort of like a low key that will give you privacy if it's these show you know, red and variegated and I mean it would be very alive, but it, it's going to draw your attention. And so having an action relationship, maybe there's a sculpture or another element that does draw your it's like a focal point, but it's not competing with the with the privacy hedging.
0: All right. Well that's all we have for this episode. Um hopefully that gave you some more food for thought on the topic of privacy and screening as we as much as we've heard from recent requests seem to be turning a little bit inward in this time. So um, Mm -hmm. an opportunity to play around there with your own space. And I guess we're going to be working on some future episodes on things like boxwood uh, or not boxwood. (laughs) We do that all the time. Sorry, (laughs) just leaps to mind Um, topiary, you know, we're we're working on developing a topiary studio and getting that underway and, uh, and some more great, garden visits and interviews and things so mm-hmm. hopefully that will be of interest to you our listeners and uh, stick with us we'll keep putting out an episode a week as long as we have at least some idea of what to do that's right as <laughs> long as I've been as people researching listen.
1: Uh, Japanese plants in the landscape too awesome. and that's yes. we also were big advocates of native plants Japanese plants in Western countries have a long history you know yeah. many of the plants are from from Asia that are that like roses Uh, are from Asia many of the hydrangeas so it's good to highlight all the diversity in horticulture
0: absolutely all right well we do hope you have an opportunity to uh, connect with a landscape sometime soon in whatever form that takes for you thank you again for listening and uh, we'll talk to you later thank you all right bye-bye in the landscape is brought to you by king garden a full-service landscape design care and education company enjoying what you hear on our podcast we encourage you to subscribe rate and review wherever you listen we'd love to hear from you so drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com we welcome show ideas gardening and design questions and always corrections we travel all over north america giving garden talks and leading trainings Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details, and also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.